What was the result? Three, three premiership, three for me and two for them. What is up, everyone? We are back. It is Chip the Keeper podcast. Hope you all had a great week. And today we have some spicy action to talk about. I'm Chris Singer, your host. And uh, to get started out, we do have a new guest on the podcast. Joe, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Say where you're from. And uh, oh, on top of that, I was thinking for this week, everyone goes around. We say what your favorite video game is or was. I don't know. I, I like Pokemon a lot. So, Joe, why don't you go? Wait, can, can we can we uh, can you admit that's a non-FIFA video game? Yeah, yeah, it can't be FIFA. <laughs> Because yeah. for a second, for a second, I was thinking FIFA, but yeah, go ahead, Joe. What do you got? Uh, sure. All right. Yes. Yeah, so my name's Joe. I'm from Briarcliff Manor, New York, in Westchester County. Uh, I'd say non-FIFA game because I was going to say FIFA. Uh, I'd probably say Call of Duty. Who are you a fan of, Joe? What's... Oh, am I a fan of? Uh, I'm the worst kind of fan. Man United, Real Madrid. <laughs> Most plastic fan out there. Man City would be more plastic. But anyway, uh, Kieran, you're up next. Uh, favorite non, probably like I like I'm not like a big gamer outside of FIFA, so it probably just have to go for like brawl, like classically. Pranav, yeah, I mean, Karen and I grew up together playing video games, so it'd have to be either either brawl. Um, so we grew up on that. A lot of people, a lot of Super Smash Brothers purists say that brawl is the worst one, but that's just what I grew up on. And uh, Super Mario Strikers was was the OG. That is quite a good game. Oh, Mario Power Tennis is also very good. I got to throw that out there. Pranav, I remember going over to your house in like fourth grade and we played Super Mario Strikers and I had never played it before and you absolutely whooped my ass. But anyway, all right, let's get started. And uh, to start things off, we had some midweek fixtures. So we're going to talk about the Champions League. I was thinking to get things kicked off, we would start talking about your club, Kieran. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, never mind. Everton isn't in the Champions League. All right. Um, I guess we'll talk about Pranav's club then. Uh, Liverpool 2, Milan 1. Uh, with that result, Milan end up in last place in the group of death. This is the first time Milan has been in the Champions League in seven, eight years. It's been a while. But um, Pranav, how... How embarrassing is this run for Milan? Or is this not that embarrassing for them? I mean, on the, on the surface of it, uh, Chris, you were saying before um, before we started uh, talking about this uh, on the podcast that, like, if, you, if it's your first run the Champions League in, in eight years and you end up, like, at the bottom of the group of deaths, um, it's not, like, a huge shame. But with that said, Milan did have like the chance to go through and for Liverpool their opponent it was a dead rubber game in which yeah like Mane and Salah played but like so did like Nat Phillips who we'll get to because he fucking Cruyff turned two players in the box and uh but they were playing like like Tyler Morton they had two players um I forget the names they, but they came on late on uh continued just to, to sub on so like it was a dead rubber game for Liverpool they, they were really playing for anything 
Um, and they got, and then Milan just got their asses handed to them on a platter. Uh, and Milan had everything to play for, and they they really should. They, I mean, I'm not saying they should have gone through because that was dependent on the other game, but they it was a, it was a disappointing game for them. It was a disappointing Champions League. I think uh, it will help them in the league, or I guess that remains to be seen after what happened this week in Serie A. But um, it it was it was it was pretty disappointing for Milan, and I think that they definitely should have done better. But like the overall picture isn't as bad. But if you if you look in the minutia of it, it's it's pretty rough. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're definitely right there. I mean, it, I can't believe Milan hasn't been in the Champions League for that long. I mean, like they really fell down. Like I mean, like even United was shit, and like they were still in the Champions League every now and then at least. Um, but yeah, Milan have had a rough go of things. I also one thing I want to bring up is that this was the first time that, that Liverpool played in the San Siro. Um, like Liverpool and Milan have met like a couple. I mean, they met in two Champions League finals. They both had like historically ridiculous teams. They both had their second and third most like UCLs. Um, and this is the first time Liverpool was at the San Siro, and it's Liverpool playing a bunch of teenagers and Milan playing like uh, <clears throat> playing like an okay-ish lineup um, that they got killed by. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit weird, a little bit strange, and it would have been really cool to have like like an iconic European night in San Siro, but it just I guess it wasn't in the cards. I mean, does this indicate though that Liverpool has enough depth to be UCL champions? Or I mean, they they got some good teenagers, right? <laughs> yeah, but like they're, they're teen- like it wasn't they weren't supposed to win and clatter a lot. They were just supposed to like be there and like have fun, you know. This is like the same the same way like. Like it wasn't it wasn't Klopp like text, testing the teenagers like like Ragnik was, but like it wasn't like it wasn't supposed to be like like oh like here's here's a here's a show of our mightiness. It was just supposed to be like oh like you guys haven't played in a while like like have some fun at the Sun Zero. And they had lots of fun. They won. We <laughs> used uh, for another winner, by the way. Oh, he did. I didn't realize that. Was he subbed on or did he start? <laughs> he started. Why? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa! I he's supposed to be a super sub. I scoring from starting that that doesn't add up to me. But I guess he did it. All right, moving on to I guess, I guess one of the bigger fixtures: uh, Madrid two, Inter zero. Uh, I know I was pretty high on Madrid a couple weeks back. Uh, I was sort of hinting at Madrid making a very deep UCL run. Kieran, what are, what are your thoughts on Madrid? Do you think they're going to go all the way? Oh, uh, nah. Like, they're good, but they're, like, they're, like, semifinal good. Like, I don't think they can beat – I actually think Liverpool would probably beat them, and I also think Bayern would probably beat them. They have, like – but they're definitely, like, looking strong. Their squad – there's just something about their, like – I don't know. The, a, a no Ronaldo Madrid, they don't have any outright superstars besides Benzema, and I don't think Benzema can win you. Like, like he's good enough to get you to a semifinal. I don't think he's good enough to get you to, to win the final. And Vinicius, how, however good he has been this year so far, ha, like, I just, I don't think he's ready to carry Madrid to a Champions League. Like, I just don't. Or not carry, but, like, be the main guy. Um, and the rest of the team is just too young at this point. Like, I think they will be very good. Like, I think they're they're on their way back to being a European contender in the next like two years. But throwing Mbappe in there, like, I I mean, I'll keep beating this horse that Mbappe, Rodrigo, and Vinicius is the fucking threesome of the future, and they're going to be disgusting. So that's how I feel about that. 
Well, okay. What what about Inter though? Because I I know you were saying that Inter was going to win the Serie A. How how far do you think into the Champions League Inter is going to make it? Uh, I would be surprised if they lose first round. To be honest, Inter is the type of team that like they don't they have squad depth to win Serie A, but like they never like they can't play both competitions. That's what happened last year. They got knocked out. I don't did they, I don't they, I don't think they made it past the group stage, and then they went on to win Serie A. So I, 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 it depends on who they draw. Like I like if they draw Ajax, if I was Inter, like that's a scary draw. I feel like Inter could be very competitive, but they're definitely because they're technically second in their group, right? So I like they're they're just like a they're not they're they're an overall weaker team in comparison to like the bigger teams. They're still very good. It's just like they're not good enough to go past. Like they can maybe win first round. I don't see them going best past the quarters. Oh, also, just a note for our listeners. Uh, we recorded this on Sunday, so you're going to be like, well, we already know what the Champions League draw is, and we already know that Inter's going to play Ajax. We don't know that. So, um, I don't know. We're just going to hypothesize, and you're going to have to deal with that, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, moving on to Manchester United. Joe, this is us. Manchester United, uh, I've been waiting to make this joke for a long time. If I botch this right now, that's going to be – a, a massive embarrassment but anyway i, I kind of wrote down some notes just in case i i fuck it up or something but manchester united won young boys won it was a draw but ralph ragnick heard young boys and he just assumed why don't i bring the u18 team to play ha anyway uh one one a lot of youngsters a couple of people making debuts uh 17 and 18 year olds mason greenwood with a nice volley i guess like side bicycle joe what were your thoughts on the game um you know i thought it was it was a pretty good performance i i really like you know kind of rangnick's like philosophy of you know building through the academy building through the youngsters i think that was something he really established you know in his presser um something he established you know right away um you know with this game you know ucl game you know obviously you want to play you know the best you know your more experienced players but you know he he went out. He was playing guys like you know Zidane, Iqbal, uh, Shola. I think it's Shola Short here. I don't even know how to really say his name, but but young guys who have been academy standouts for the U18s and just giving them you know that experience on the field in, in the UCL. And yeah, you know it's a coincidence against young boys, but you know I think it was it was really good that he's you know, he's kind of getting guys that experience, getting guys that time on the field on the pitch. Um, you know, and just just taking in that moment, I think that's good, especially not only building for the present but building for the future. You know, he has a lot of good studs right now, but he he has to understand that you know he might not be in that manager role, but I know he's going to be in that consultancy role later on. Um, so he's going to have a big say in you know the development of those players that he obviously put out there. So um, yeah, I think it's a good start. I, I really like what he's been doing, and I, I think that was kind of a good move for him. You know, it wasn't you know it wasn't like a high stakes game. You know, they kind of basically you know, secured their spot in the round of 16. So at that point, it's just, you know, getting guys experience. I, th- I think that was a pretty positive thing for United. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think Ole would have brought the young boys to play the young boys? Um, I think so, too. I think Ole was also, you know, very open to, you know, growing, you know, the academy. He was, I, I don't know if he was an academy guy himself, but he's someone that has been at United for, for many years and he understands that, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, the way he built his super teams wasn't always through the transfer market. It was mainly through, obviously, you know, the growth of their young guys, um, you know, guys like Beckham, Giggs, Skulls. But 
Um, yeah, I think Ollie would have done something similar. Um, and, I, and I just like it how that tradition's kind of kept on. I think they're really trying to build their academy because, you know, they do have some older guys and eventually, you know, those guys are going to obviously leave. And eventually, you know, as, as, as much as United wants to spend more money, I, I think they kind of want to maybe move away from that in a sense, um, you know, and, and really go towards the, those younger guys. So Joe, Joe thinks he's getting the class of 92 back. Dude, why are we still – why do I still have to hear Ole's name? I, I, I would, I would love the that. class of 92. I would love the class of 92. That was probably one of the greatest academy classes ever. I don't know if you can name a better one. So. La Masia, uh, the Chavi. Oh, Cobham Academy now for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say I would say the I would say the Chavi Iniesta class is better than the class of 92. I'd make that argument. You just named two players, and I just named what three: Beckham, Giggs, Skulls, the Neville uh, brothers. I mean, that's a pretty. Put, deep I'll throw Busquets in there, and PK and whatnot. I mean, PK's not from Malaysia, actually. And that, is Messi in that fucking? I mean, he's not in that individual class. It's more than generation. No, I'm talking individual class. Uh, that uh, class of wonder kids in '92 or United. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. What What about Everton's academy, Kieran? What about them? Listen, man. Adam Lookman doesn't play for Everton anymore. Uh, <laughs> who's he? Tom Davies? He's going to go against Man City. It was pretty sick. Uh, it's, you know, it's decent. Come on. Don't, don't, don't at me like that. Uh, I, I just, now that I, I get to be the host, I feel like everyone goes easy on you being an Everton fan, but I have to make up for all those times that people have gone easy on you, you know? Sorry, we don't have the budget as you big boys. We don't spend any money. <laughs> Liverpool spends no. We we spent an entire summer going back and forth, learning to spend thirty million on Thiago Alcantara. All right, I don't want to hear the budget argument over here. Did didn't Everton have a pretty big spending spree recently? Everton, yeah. Also, Everton has the most ridiculous debt spread out of like everyone. So that too. We bought Gilfie Sigurdsson for fifty mil, and now everyone wants to give a shit. I mean, did Liverpool spend like well, how much did Van Dyke like eighty million? Yeah, how much did we make off Coutinho? I don't know, man. Like Van Dyke was eighty. How much did Salah? Forty. Mane was also forty. Like you're actually. Like, so I was like thirty-five. Well, was, okay. Was, to, also, when's the last time we bought a player? To be fair, if you didn't follow soccer and you like just heard about the transfers that were happening all of a sudden, you would think that Liverpool is like in twelfth place and broke. Based on like their, buy, how much spending you, habits, I like I don't I like they still like will spend forty mil a summer. Everton does that once and everyone freaks out. Like you guys still will buy Nabby Casey randomly for like forty mil and fucking um, Fabinho. How much? How much was Fabinho? How much was how much was Diego Jota? Didn't you, didn't you buy him last summer for like forty mil? You, you spend like forty to fifty mil a year. <laughs> All right, you're throwing out a lot of names. I don't I don't know the exact. I, I'll, I'll I'll look it up and I'll, I'll let you know. But it's not it's not like it's not like forty million each. I'm pretty sure these guys, you guys spend around net. Like Tiago Alcantara was like two summers ago. Now, now, if someone wants to at me about this, I will, I will, I will start, I will start coming at them. People, people want to come at me for being an Everton fan. You spend fucking fifty mil once, and everybody wants to freak out. But, but those are smart buys, though. If you think about it, like Klopp has that foundation down put. Yeah, you know? and like, I mean, at that point, it's like, all right, how can I get you know pieces around my foundation? You know, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have to go crazy. He doesn't have to go United having to completely rebuild their foundation, well, I mean, you know, from, you know, having Jesse friend. Lingard to now having Cristiano Ronaldo. It's a totally different scenario. I mean, you guys just, you guys spend like fucking 150 million a transfer window. 
Oh, ridiculous amount of money. And it really hasn't paid off except for Cristiano Ronaldo bailing us out every week. Yes. Okay, to be fair, you're right. Jota did cost like 50 million. But if like like Liverpool won the Champions League, the Premier League, the Club World, like they won, they won everything and then they spent like peanuts compared to like what they won. Jota um, was last whereas, summer. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand. But like we, we buy like one player or something. No, I, in comparison to the big six, you guys still, you spend less, but you don't not spend money. Like you still like, I most clubs in the world can't spend 40 mil a summer. Like, and I think Liverpool consistently will spend 40 mil. It's just that you're not Chelsea and fucking United and spending close to 100 to 200 mil a summer on players that can't score, but Hunter's not here. Yeah, we can roast him anyway. He can defend himself in the chat if he listens to the podcast. I guess the, the January transfer window is approaching, but um, not like too many big transfers do happen then. I guess, yeah, you know I mean, what? I think Coutinho was a, trans- was a January transfer. I think that was like the big one that I remember. It was one of the only big ones, I guess. Coutinho, but- Coutinho and Van Dijk were both January transfers. Pretty sure uh, Erling Holland was a January transfer as well. I know, but in general, I feel like the, the right. summer is normally when the but summer is when the big names. Right. You'll get like a random middle. I mean, has anyone heard any random big transfer rumors for the clubs recently that they're excited about? I mean, I'll speak on behalf of United. The big one is obviously with the new coach, uh, Angelique Martial. His agent is basically saying he wants out. He wants to be gone somewhere else in January. So that, that's a big one. That's one to watch because, you know, even though he's had a, a kind of a disappointing spell at United recently, you know, the, the, the talent is there. He, he's a world-class player. It's just a question of being in the right situation. Okay, so net spend over the past five years, Liverpool is at negative $191 million. Um, Chelsea is at negative $293 million. You don't Manchester have to read the United, United one. <laughs> Manchester United is negative 585 million. Manchester City is minus 565 million. And Everton is at negative 261 million. So negative so Everton over the past five years have spent uh 70 million more than Liverpool have. How does that feel, Kieran? What are your thoughts on that? The fact on that, that we spent, I mean 50 million on Gilfie Stigurdsson. That's basically what that number is. Uh and then the rest of it is like also Hamas and like Decore and whatnot. Like we know we have, we we've just we have made shitty signings. We talked I talked about this last week. Everton transfers are bad. They're not good. We fired our sporting director like last week. So hopefully they'll get better. Also, like like to be fair, um, a significant portion of that has been offset by the Coutinho sale. Uh, but still, the Everton has that been is much true. Worse than How much did Coutinho go for again? I one I one forty. Wow, it was like one forty to one hundred or something. Well, yeah. that is Neymar, definitely impressive. Neymar broke the transfer market, and then Coutinho was also like, like people forget how nasty Coutinho was. Like yeah. Coutinho, Coutinho was saving us from, like, like he was saving us from irrelevance, basically. Like he just he just go and score just absolute. It would be the same goal every single time. But he pulled some magic, and but it was a the, 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 the cut a, in right foot curler to the yeah, top. It wasn't. Right. Like, it wasn't like a Ronaldo tap it, right? Like it was. He would. Yeah, he would cut in from like like twenty five yards, and he would just rip one in the top into the top left corner or top right, depending on which way you're looking at it. Like he, like I, I don't think his his transfer was like ridiculous. Maybe he was he was worth like twenty to thirty less, but he was like he was still worth like over like a hundred or over. Um, I'm going to go on a limb and say that was a panic buy at one forty. I, I think Barcelona. Oh, yeah, saw- yeah. 
the opportunity to, to, you know, make a UCL run and, and they saw obviously the potential of Coutinho, but you know, like you said, he's, he's 20 to 30 less. Yeah. They he's also, a great player, but. They also just made 222 off Neymar. So like they were willing to fork out that 140, but then they also bought like Arde Turan and like. And Dembele, did they? The yeah. Thing? And they Dem- bought. Well, they bought- I, I, yeah. The Dembele injury probably really you know, accelerated that because I'm pretty sure didn't they put Coutinho right on the wing? Like they didn't put him in his usual position. Well, yeah. was, he was playing, he was playing kind of as an inverted winger for Liverpool. But the thing is like Messi already pushes in. So like you can't have two wingers pushing in, like in behind centrally. Uh, so it just didn't work for Coutinho where like everything flowed through him at Liverpool. Whereas like at Barcelona, like if you're, if you're on, if you're on Messi's team, nothing's going to flow through you, right? You might get a couple touches, but everything's going to flow through Messi. Um, which is not what he was used to. And he, yeah, he just didn't work out for him. And then he scored twice against Barcelona and they didn't get like irrelevance again. Um, I mean, he, he, he's playing now. He scored a penalty this week or last week, I think. Um, but like, he's, I mean, Barcelona is just irrelevant now and it's not, it has less to do with yeah. him. I mean, yeah, I, I hated him for a long time for it, but like, I just feel bad. Like I want him to do well at this point. Like I just, it's, it's like, it's like Everton. Like, like when they, when, like I, I'm supposed no. to, I, I, I think I would rather them. you want Everton to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would just That's rather it. that. It makes me feel less like shit for some reason. No, I just I feel bad. I, I, I hope the best for them. And I hope the best for Coutinho now that he's uh, he, like he, he's just he's playing. He's on the bench now. He's not, he's not doing that hot. Would you take him back, though, Pranav? You want Coutinho? Jan- I mean, January he's... rolls around and Liverpool can <clears> sign him for their – for twenty five million, will you take him? Twenty, yeah, twenty five million is a steal for for Coutinho. I don't know. I mean, Liverpool's not going to do it because, um, like, they have a system in place, and and our midfield is a little bit more compact now. And we already have Thiago as like as like the the exceptional playmaker. So I, I doubt Liverpool's going to do it. And obviously, you can't really use Coutinho as a winger in Klopp's system. Um, but I, if I were on my own soccer team, probably FC, I would sign Coutinho for twenty five. All right, um, we got sidetracked because I'm a really bad host. Anyway, back to the Champions League. Uh, I got two more results that I want to talk about. First one, and uh, <laughs> Pranav sort of predicted this, but Sevilla make their way back into the Europa League, their favorite competition, after losing to Salzburg, uh, one to zero. Pranav, do you think Sevilla is going to win Europa? I mean, yeah, who's going to stop them, Barcelona? No, I, I, I don't, I don't know that they will. But I just think it was really funny. They, they were in that group that was like eight, seven, six, five points or whatever, or nine, eight, seven, six points or whatever. And um, I was like, I was like, wow, how are they going to pull third place? And they managed to pull third place somehow in classic Sevilla style. Uh, I think they could, um, but I think like they're strong. They're strong Europa League teams. Is is Dortmund out of Europe or are they in Europa? League? No, they're in the Europa League. I, yeah, would, I, would, like, I was going to say that they're probably. I think. Point. Yeah, Dortmund. Dortmund is probably my, my favorite to win it. Uh, but I think could Sevilla, Sevilla with their European pedigree, their their Europa League pedigree, like they could totally they could totally do it. Um, the same way like Madrid could win uh, Champions League, and I don't think that's a, that, that's that ridiculous. Kieran and then Joe, who do you guys think is going to win Europa League? Uh, I was yeah, I I said Dortmund. I think Dortmund is probably the team to watch because Erling Holland's there, and I feel like he's hungry for a trophy of some sort. And I think he's probably leaving this summer. So him winning the Europa League and then going off somewhere is a, I feel like that's a logical step. 
But also watch out for Napoli. Napoli is also a very good attacking side. Uh, I'm pretty torn. I mean, I like Napoli. I like Kieran said, I like the attacking side, but I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think Barcelona, I mean, you're, you're talking, even though, you know, you're talking about the post Messi era and like the identity crisis and, and, you know, Xavi trying to get used to this squad. This is still a young and talented squad. I think if they can hit form in the right moment and, and really, you know, play to their, to the way Xavi wants them to play, you know, you're talking about a European giant, you know, even though it's, it's not the same Barcelona squad, it's Barcelona. You got talent, you know, you have both vets and you have young guys. Um, I, I, if it's not Napoli, I think it's Barca. And I'm going to be crazy saying that because you, know, you don't look at Barcelona as, as even winning a trophy this year. But I feel like they're going to get knocked out first round. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like they have like a lot of youth and it's like that could be really bad for them. But then it's a, another thing where, you know, that youth, like having those fresh legs, you know, especially in, in you know, in, late, in a late run in a Europa League, like that could really pay off. Like people like Gavi, Pe- Pedri, you know, like you know, Ansu Fati, those guys, like, you know, if they're still going and they're catching he's form, injured. he's not going to have fresh legs. Who is? Ansu Fati. He's still going. Yeah, he's hurt again. I feel like he's he'll he'll show up for a game, score, and then he's injured, and then he'll. I was going to say he just came back. He got hurt again. That's he's turning into Dembele. Oh, that would be rough. Yeah, I mean, that I, I guess that kind of transitions into my next uh, game that I was going to talk about. Well, uh, Bayern three. Barcelona zero. Why is Barca just a so bad and then b so bad against Bayern? Like Bayern at this point, it's like Bayern's the bully and Barca just gets beat up like every single day. Pranav, what do you, what do you think? They're just bad. I mean, I think it was it was Muller that said it. Um, I mean, but Muller is a bully. <laughs> Muller himself. Thomas Muller. Um, he was like, he was like, yeah, like they have the players, they have the tactics, but they just don't have the intensity. Um, and we all thought that that, that was something that Xavi is going to drill into. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's just being complimentary and saying they have the tactics and they have the ability. Um, they don't currently, maybe they have the tactics. Xavi's a genius, but like, I don't know, man, his genius like is like, isn't really showing. Uh, they lost to Betis. They, they drew Osasuna. Um, and I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's been more recently. Uh, and Bayern have been like a juggernaut, so I don't like I don't put too much stock in that. Like like it makes sense. Like Barcelona are on the decline, and, and Bayern are, are right now um, like like top two three best teams in the world. So I I don't I don't think it's like an anomaly. It's not like uh, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm trying to think of teams that, that that beat each other no matter what. But um, it just I think it, I think it, I think it makes sense. I don't think there's anything like not too much stock put into it. I, I saw Alfonso Davies making a run at one point and he just, I mean, like, obviously he's super fast, but it's just like in terms of physicality on top of skill, just the Bayern players are so much stronger, so much faster. It's like watching two teams from different divisions playing. It's, it's just not good, but Hey, maybe, maybe Joe's right. Maybe Barcelona is capable of winning the Europa league. Is this the first time I, I think it's the first time in either like 16 or 17 years that they've bowed out of uh, the Champions League before making it to the round of 16, which uh, I'm, I don't know stats too well, but that's not a good one. But 
Anyway, I, I think they needed they needed a game like this. They needed to just get kicked in the teeth, you know, like like you talk about the Bayern physicality, you know, the guys that come through Bayern, you know, you, you see the pictures of like Leon Goretzka, you know, when he was on Schalke and then he goes to Bayern. You know, the guys just become an absolute tank there. So it's like a combination of obviously the technicality, you know, you, you're, you're a top flight player playing at Bayern, but the physicality aspect of it, you know, Barca is a young squad. And I talked about like the identity crisis, but, you know, obviously getting, you know, completely bodied around, you know, in every single know facet of the game by Bayern you know Bayern's an elite team they're always a competitor and, and the big you know thing with them is the physicality you know they got big dudes you know uh, Lewandowski's a pretty big striker Nicolas Sula is a massive massive corner so you know that physicality aspect you know, like, like I said it's good that, that Barca got kicked in the teeth I, I mean is it going to be a wake-up call for them no but I think it, it kind of shows them like you know where they can be as a team and but like how how much more they have to put into to get to that level, you know, cause they, at one point they were at that level, um, you know, and obviously with the players that left you know, over time, you know, it's, it's a different story now. So they just got, they got to figure it out. But I think that it was a game they needed. They needed to lose this kind of game and realize, you know, where they're at and where they need to be down the road. So. Yeah. 100%. Uh, l- last question regarding champions league. Kieran, what did you think of Eric Garcia's performance? I mean, I didn't watch that game, but I watched Inter. I watched Inter Real Madrid because I was more concerned about that. Uh, but I assume he did terrible because he's awful. I don't even know if he played, honestly. I, I, you know, I really hope he did. Really hope he did, and I hope Lewandowski fucking elbowed him in the face. That guy is awful. Wait, wait would you take Eric Garcia at Everton right now? No, of course not. Do you think he'd start? No. <laughs> Michael Keane and Yerry Mina are both better than him by a lot. You just say Yerry Mina. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Yerry Mina's a tank, guys. He's a fucking tank. Kieran just has this hatred towards Eric Garcia, but that's besides the point. Because he's terrible. I don't understand how he fucking plays. Like, he's literally starts for Spain and Barcelona. And every time I watch a game, this dude is like, he's like 5'11 and like 170 pounds. Like, he does, he's not a center back that should be there. I think he played right back the other day. I forget against two. But it was an important match, and they put Eric Garcia at right back. Well, anyway, on to the Prem. Let, Kieran, let, let's keep talking about Everton, actually. And uh, for once, I guess we have some good news here. Everton defeated Arsenal. Kieran, I know last time on the podcast, you mentioned that you weren't planning on watching the game and that Arsenal, for some reason, always, well, not maybe for some reason, but just in general, always destroys Everton. What, what happened this time? I mean... We counterattacked really well, and Damari Gray is a savage. Like, he's easily – he might be signing – I mean, you guys would probably laugh at this. To me, he's signing in the summer. He costs nothing, and he's, like, performing, like – he's not – he for mid-table, for what he cost and the performances that he puts in, like, he's very high. Like, he's doing really well. And Richarlison, uh, Richarlison you know, he's, he's due for the odd goal every now and then these days. Like, once in, like, four games he'll score. And Arsenal just shit the bed. Uh, they probably should have won, but they didn't. And thank God, because that was one of the most stressful fucking games. I was not trying to go down to 16th. I mean, I eventually went down to 14th, but, you know, it's better than 16th. Did you go up to 14th? No, we went from 15th to 12th, and now we're back down to 14th. 
Well, I hope you hope you don't end up back in 16th because that doesn't sound like a very enjoyable position to be in. I mean, that's that's very close to the relegation we're, zone. We're uh, we're currently seven points above relegation, so you know it is. Also, um, comfortable I, I want, enough. I said I said this I said this like in our group chat earlier, but um, Martin Tyler's call of the Demar Gray goal is honestly like one of the, like the all one of the all time best play calls. And I say that like totally unironically. Like the the amount of emotion he put in, he, he was like. Dude, he was like coming on his screen when he said it. He was, was he was screaming. It was a sick goal. Ninety third. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was like really it was nice awesome. Goal, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think that that deserves a little shout out from to our friend uh, Martin Tyler. We'll never beat the Gerard call. I don't know. I know he didn't make that one, but still the greatest call of all time. We'll never beat. Um. What's it called? Um. Uh, Emil Husky for Villa. Does anyone remember that meme? It's it's like a that's even that's like cut together. I'll, I'll debate the the Bert Camp one was unbelievable. The guy was going absolutely berserk. You said his name like fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean uh, the best the best Martin Tyler call ever will always be Agüero. Like that's never going to be. I, that's going to be very hard to beat. Uh, I, yes, I, I will say a top five one though is Martial's first goal at United. I always thought that was pretty iconic. Going by Martin Skirtle and then. You know, putting it in, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, that was, that was pretty nasty. <laughs> I wish he could replicate that performance sometime soon, but I guess he's he's off somewhere else in January. I, I feel like the reason why the Aguero moment is so iconic to us is like, I don't know about you guys, but like that's really when I started watching soccer. So that's, it's, to me at this point, it's like nostalgia. I mean, also it's like that, that was also my first. That was my first season watching, and I was watching that game, and it was like pretty. It was insane. So, it will. It's very hard to top that. That won them the title. So, oh well. Anyway, uh, Joe, I know earlier we were talking a little bit about uh, the Alabama Yang drama. So, Joe, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I think it was on Friday. Uh, the news came out that uh, Mikel Arteta was actually disciplining Aubameyang for, and I don't know if he really even um, elaborated on it, but disciplining him to the point where, you know, he was, he wasn't going to be in the squad for the, the match against Southampton. And, and, you know, I kind of really raised a lot of eyebrows because this is what, like the second or third time that, that Aubameyang has been disciplined, I think specifically by Arteta. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but I know, like during COVID, you know, Aubameyang tried to get a tattoo that broke COVID protocols and he got disciplined for that. Um, obviously this one. So, you know, I think the, the big thing is like, you know, the, the captaincy, you know, does that come into question? Because I remember, you know, a lot of people were were kind of fighting for Aubameyang to get that captain uh, armband, um, you know, when he was first with Arsenal. Yeah. And now he's kind of really showing almost a lack of leadership. And it was funny, you know, he, he got dropped from the squad and they ended up, you know, still taking care of business winning three nothing. It's almost like you question you know, do you really need a bomb Yang? You know, is he, is he really a hundred percent necessary? You know, he, I can tell you, he's not the same superstar that, you know, he once was, you know, when he was first came to Arsenal guy was a goal scoring machine. He's, you know, one of the premier league's top scorers. Now it's, you know, you question whether or not you really need him. It's like, you talk about that January window, I mean, I, this might be pushing it, but you know, are they going to try to maybe, or is he maybe going to try to, you know, leave if he loses that captaincy? I would definitely try to sell him. Like, He's I okay, in my opinion, like I think he's gotten to the point where like he's been bad for long enough that he may be done because he's not getting any younger. 
Like he's like 32, 30, turning 33. I think he had 10 league goals last year. He's sitting on four right now, which is like an okay output, but like for the money that they're paying him, that's definitely not like, that's not like good enough. And what, what's the, I don't, I'm not hundred percent. Martinelli, he's a striker, right? Or is he a winger? He's like, you know, I mean, he's not messy, but like, he's like that type of like winger can play, likes to play inside. Right. I mean, um, you can experiment with him. I think the other thing was, you know, you had that big signing in Lacazette and then you, you go out six months later and get a bomb yang. You never really got to have a full, you know, Lacazette kind of opportunity where, you know, he's the lead guy as a striker, you know. Lacazette. Wanna... No, you go. No, go. No, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, you know, you know, Lacazette had that pretty incredible year. I think it was at, at Lyon and then obviously came to, to Arsenal. And, and, you know, a lot of people were expecting some great things out of him. And six months later, up oh, here, you know, you, you got another guy joining you. You know, the striker mentality, you want to be that only striker. You want to be the only guy getting that ball up top and get, putting those balls, you know, on the back of the net. It's just, I don't know. I mean, and the other thing, yeah, obviously Lacazette's kind of getting there in age as well. Um, so it's in terms of like, yeah, you want to sell them. Like, do you have any replacements? You know, are you looking to get someone in January? Like, I don't know what Arsenal's plan is in, in a sense with Aubameyang. I'm not really sure about what their financial situation. I was going to say Lacazette's like an interesting case because he's still at like his, his goal output for Arsenal has never been bad. It's always been, it's never been great, but it's always been like 13, 14 a year, which is like a decent striker output. Like a lot of teams would like that, but I don't know if he leads the line. Like he had that crazy year for Leon, but he scored 28 in league on, but it's also still, it's not the prem. Like the prem right. is the best league in the world. Um, so, but you know, he, in the prem, he averages like 14 a year, which is like, a, that's still a good turnout. And he has got 14 a year, but you also got to understand his performances are capped. You know, when you're playing with the bomb Yang, you're not going to get 20 plus goals unless, you know, you're absolutely world-class, like, you know, like a Ronaldo or, or someone like that. So, you know, yeah, 14 is great, but you know, you don't know what he's really like without a bomb Yang. You don't know. And obviously now he's what four years no into his arsenal career. No one's gonna, no one's gonna buy a bombing. Like he just signed a contract That's like the last year. He's gotta like like that transfer fee is gonna be astronomical. His I wages mean, are probably high as hell. Like I who, mean like who's gonna buy him now that he's old a, and he's not performing? It's not a question. I mean, I, I think people will still like I don't know. Like there's definitely they definitely need to get him off the wage bill. He's just going to yeah. sit there. Like, you have a bail situation on your hands there at Arsenal with Aubameyang, like, developing. They might be able to, like, loan him, but even then, like, his, his wages are going to be a lot. It's, it's tough because Aubameyang, like, I remember, the, you know, the one of the top transfer spots that he always had to his name was Barcelona. Like, yeah. oh, we got Aubameyang to Barcelona. Be, get you know, fill in as a striker, you know. That'd just be cherry on top of the cake fucking over there if he goes to Barcelona. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, but the thing is, like, he goes to Barcelona. Is he even going to fit in that system? That's the other thing. No, I don't know. Would he? Actually, I don't know. There was uh, a bomb well, to Liverpool for a while. That, that, that was an, I also remember that one a lot. I mean, he's not yet. Yeah, he's just not, like, I can maybe see, like, a not, like, he can't go to China now, right? China's fucking done when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. transfers. So then, I don't know. It's just, like, they definitely, like, he's not. I could see him maybe getting 12 goals this year, which is just not good enough for the amount of money they're paying him. What if I come to Newcastle United at the Oh, that's actually not a terrible shout. I mean, what if I go completely outlandish here? And, you know, I'm just talking, obviously, the new recent financial takeover. What if Newcastle starts off with a (laughs) But you know what, though? Like, the number one thing with those that new ownership group is they're ambitious. They want to get 
star players. And even – yeah, I know it's Newcastle. It's not an ideal situation. You're still talking about playing in a you, big stadium. Dude, they're, about, ni- they're 19th. They're 19th. That's what I was saying super outlandish, but you got to understand that scenario. Like eventually, you know, that ownership group's going to flex their muscle and start throwing money at, at some big transfers. You know, it's a question of whether those guys are going to want to bite. I, I think the thing is, considering Aubameyang is still somewhat of the captain, and like you guys said, the, the wage bill, I mean, unless it's like a, like a PSG or a Man City, and I don't think either of them want or need Aubameyang, it's, it's really, I think he's just going to sit at Arsenal and probably end up like a bail situation like it was previously said. The city is sad. so funny. The city thing is so funny because then you're like, we need a striker, Arsenal. Here's a striker. No, 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 not that striker. <laughs> Another striker. I think, yeah. I, okay, I think um, we should get an Arsenal specialist on here soon uh, and we can talk more about it because we're, we're just kind of spitballing numbers um, and round facts and figures, but I, I think we need someone who's into the nitty-gritty of it all. Um, and yeah, yeah, also like like an emotional connection with Aubameyang and Arsenal to to kind of give us a, a better perspective. So I think maybe we should move on. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, just one more point on Arsenal. I, I don't think their financial situation is bad considering they bought like five players and spent the most out of any team over the summer. So I'm sure they can afford the Obama Yang wage. But anyway, uh, City won uh, against Wolves. There were, there were, there were a couple of controversial penalties this weekend, so I, I want to dive right into that right away. Uh, so City one, Wolves zero. Pranav, was that a penalty? I'm not going to comment on it because it's very similar to the penalty that Liverpool got in the Champions League final against Tottenham. Um, so I, I will I will not be uh, talking shit about this penalty. <laughs> but uh, to, to be fair, what it was. The rule is um, like under the the what's it called the shirt sleeve line, um, and that ball didn't exactly strike under the shirt sleeve line, um, and that's all I'm gonna say on that, so as not to incriminate myself and my six Champions League <laughs> crown. No, I think that's fair, Joe. Do you have an opinion on this one? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the game, but I just think like a little side note, obviously, you know, you know, Raheem Sterling obviously got the penalty. It is a hundredth, you know, career Premier League goal. You know, it, honestly, uh, you know, his performances in the Premier League for Man City have been great. You know, but obviously you hear about the rumors, um, you know, you know, if he's if he's really happy at Man City. Um, so, I, you know, just for him to get that, you know, 100th goal, you know, do it with City. I think that was a nice moment. I didn't actually get to see the penalty. Um, but you know, just, I uh, just talking more about the moment itself. I think, you know, hundred goals in the premier league, you know, when you're talking about top flight leagues is obviously impressive. And for someone like Raheem Sterling, you know, uh, it's an impressive feat. He's a world-class player. So. No, 100%. I, I think Sterling is a, is definitely a world-class player. And, uh, I feel like sometimes he gets underappreciated. Like I, I feel like people don't talk about Raheem Sterling as much as they can, but I guess that's what ha- happens when you have a team like Man City where, Everyone is good. I just want to say that I didn't watch the game, and I don't know if it's penalty or not, but I want to say that Prono's acts of suspicion just now makes me very much think that it was a penalty. So that it was a penalty. Yeah, I mean, you're you're then you're not defending this outright. You're you're very much like trying to dodge the question. So I'm assuming that yeah, this, this probably was a penalty. Okay, okay. I mean, I my my whole thing was that it was. Uh... 
it was questionable, but if, if I called this one questionable, then I also called the, the Champions League final um, penalty questionable, which is my thing. But if I'm the only one who saw it, it was basically that the ball, um, I don't remember who, which, which Wolf's player it was, but the ball kind of bounced off his like rib cage and like sort of hit his arm, but it wasn't his arm. It was uh, the, the Premier League tried to make it less confusing and made it like uh, anything underneath the shirt line is a penalty, um, like, is like, like a handball. And it didn't, it kind of hit above the shirt line, um, like off the rib cage. And it was like his, his, he was like pointing to something, I think. So I, it was an extremely dubious penalty call. Um, and I know we're going to talk about the other penalties filled for all the other top teams. And it does call into question kind of the legitimacy of, of refereeing. Um, like, I don't, I don't think any of the penalty calls were like super loony, crazy outlandish, but I, I think, I think people are justified in kind of questioning the, 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 the supposed favoritism of the league because like it does put pressure on you as a referee to kind of maybe give calls a, a certain way especially if you have like fucking Klopp screaming at you on the sideline so yeah I I, I mean in response to Karen I think it I, I think it wasn't a penalty to be completely honest uh, and Man City kind of looked shaky they was they were playing against the 10 man wolves for 45 minutes and they only managed to put away one dubious penalty so yeah, that's that's definitely shaky. Speaking of shaky teams, let's talk about Chelsea. And uh, I guess Hunter's not here to defend himself. Oh, so. we got we got to we got to address the Raul Jimenez. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost forgot. How could I? Okay, so this is funny. This is funny. Uh, so Jimenez uh, got sent off the other day uh, for two yellow cards, uh, and he acquired both of these yellow cards in the span of. I believe it was either 35 or 45 seconds. Uh, so the first one, he slide tackles Rodri from behind, which when you're a striker, like, I mean, like slide tackling in general, like unless you're a center back or like it's, it's like a last ditch effort or like you're good at tackling, you know, you probably shouldn't do it. And if you're a striker slide tackling, like, what are you doing? Like you, you there's no need. It, it wasn't even a desperate situation. It, it was like halfway up the pitch and he's got like 10 players behind him. And he's like, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to slide tackle. So he side tackled him. He gets one yellow. And then <laughs> as I, I think it was Rodri went to kick the ball after that. Cause you know, it was a free kick. And, <laughs> and then his stands in front of the, the ball and then like tries to block it with his foot and then immediately gets his second yellow. And once he got his second yellow, this is, I don't know how this hasn't become a meme yet. It's going to become a meme, but Jimenez is just like staring into the abyss and he's just completely shook at like how stupid he was and how this happened. And then it took him like 20 minutes to get off the pitch because he was just like contemplating his stupidity. It was the funniest thing in the world. Go watch it. And then uh, what's our email again? Chip the keeper pod at gmail.com. I think that's our email. Anyway, send us an email what your thoughts are, and we'll go. The, the first, the first tackle, like it wasn't a bad tackle at all. Um, it was, it was pretty dumb to give him a yellow card for that. Um, so I think he like stuck his foot out on the free kick on purpose, uh, like in protest, which was just like pretty dumb on his part. Like he shouldn't have gotten a yellow for the first tackle, but he also like should not have <laughs> stuck his foot out. That's like something they teach you in. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, something I, I think I learned in. Uh, Mr. Ned, our our uh, our our, man, our coach manager from from years from years ago, taught me this in like like what fifth grade, sixth grade or something. 
that like if someone's in front of you, like kick it at them, but get a yellow card. Uh, so to stick your foot out like that <clears throat> was pretty stupid. Um, and yeah, like like it was, it was pretty it was pretty childish, especially because like like you knew like shaky city like like Raul Jimenez can can grab one late on like he's a he's a good striker who can who can unsettle a a, a team. So yeah, it was it was. It was pretty funny. It was pretty theatrical, but I think I think like in his maybe defense, that was his his intention. I think you're right. But anyway, moving on to another team that was a little shaky and has been shaky the past three games or so. Chelsea three leads two, narrow victory there, and Chelsea won by having. They had two penalties. Jorginho put both of them away. I will admit that Jorginho is very good at penalties. But the second one, Pranav and I were talking about this earlier. I know I know you just mentioned penalties a little bit, how, I don't know, it was kind of up in the air. But I, I think that this was an obvious penalty, the, the second one, Pranav. And the reason why is because there was a penalty a couple weeks back, and Juan Bissaka basically did the same thing, where he stuck his foot out and – unfortunately caught the player's foot instead of the ball and it was a penalty and at the time I was like man this is horseshit this sucks and then like I understood why it was a penalty and uh, a similar situation happened with Rudiger and I do think it's a penalty but if you want to defend yourself Pranav or if anyone doesn't think it was I also a think it was a penalty so you think it was a penalty I do I, yeah he, I, he, he, he it's a pretty dangerous tackle to try in that a dangerous tackle what do you mean he tapped him. He tapped him. Rudiger decides to take a seat. Rudiger's like 200 pounds. He, did, he, he, gets, he gets tapped in the back of the ankle, and he's like, oh, maybe I should take a seat now. And then he just goes down. That was that was such a soft – like, I don't, I don't think it's a penalty. I think it's maybe, a penalty. maybe at midfield if that debatable. happens, you can call something, but I do not think that's a penalty at all. Joe, uh, would you, Rudiger, you say? Like Rudiger, yeah, no. I mean, it, it, like, like Pranav said, it was a tap. And you're talking about, you know, a pretty big center back, uh, you know, taking that hit. I, I think a little more of an acting than an actual penalty there. Also, like, I, like it was, it was pretty dumb of him to make that tackle, like in Rudiger's defense, I guess, because like <laughs> Rudiger's not going to turn you. Like, what's he going to do? He's going to sit there with his back to goal and try to play and then try to play the player, the other player back in. But like, I, I, I just, I just can't see that. I think that was that was just incidental contact. Like he didn't, he didn't push him. There was no, there was no like, like rough contact. It was just that, like his foot was there. He didn't, he didn't even, he didn't even trip him. It was, it was literally just Rudiger being like, oh, there's contact, and he just sat down. He didn't even go down that convincingly, to be honest. He just like he literally just took a seat. Was there? Did he play into it? Yes, but I do think it was a penalty. I mean, like he he kicked his his ankle out of the way and he was in the box. I I feel like it's obvious. Is it a soft penalty? Sure, but I think it was obvious that it should have been a penalty. All right, enough of me ranting. Anyway, uh, I'll swing it back to you, Pranav. Liverpool one, Villa zero, and Stevie G. Made it back. But uh, unfortunately, Villa slipped and uh, did not look to win on this one. What, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, it was a – it was a like, I, I, the, the scoreline doesn't really justify the, the match itself. The match was, like, super exciting. Um, it, was, it was pretty – pretty end-to-end. Yes, yes, Chris. I, I see your, your stupid pun. All right, it was hilarious. All right, very creative, very original. But, no, it was it – was, it was exactly everything that, that – that, I had hoped like Steven Gerrard would be his manager. Um, it was super, it was super exciting. There were times where, where Villa like, like penned Liverpool in and uh, they were like, like great attacks at both sides. Um, there was one point where, where Allison gave me a, a mini heart attack. Um, and this one was also one on a penalty. 
again, I mean, th- this this penalty wasn't also super convincing, but I, I think of all three penalties this this weekend of the top three teams, I will say, and also I promise this isn't just me being biased. This is the opinions of also like pundits and stuff that this was the most like like convincing like like Stonewall penalty. But I, I also wouldn't say it was like an absolute penalty. Like I understand their arguments against it. Yeah, they, they need a penalty to get past despite the 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 disparity in XG. But it was it was a great game to watch, and uh, it was it was a great game for for neutrals. Unfortunately, it was on USA, so like I don't know how many people got to watch it. That was a I, w- I will say because I had the option to watch Chelsea and Liverpool, e- either Chelsea play or Liverpool pe- play, and uh, I picked Liverpool. And I mean, like the, the the audience was deafening. It was it was kind of cool, and there was a lot of action. It was an entertaining game. So no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um. Let's bring it to our team, Joe. Uh, whew, this was a, a bit of a nail-biter here. United won, Norwich 0. Uh, I caught the last 20 minutes or so, and uh, those were not a comfortable 20 minutes. Were, were you comfortable, Joe? What, what were your thoughts on the game? I, I just, I you know, I think uh, all the United players are still trying to get used to, you know, this this really physical pressing style that, you know, that, that Ralph Ragnick's trying to bring into this system. Um, and, and like I said, I think he's really trying to weed out those that, you know, you know, want to be there and those that don't want to be there. I think Anthony Martial is one that, you know, doesn't want to be there. Um, but, you know, like a really, you know, a lot of ball watching, you know, guys not really committed to the press, guys not committed to, you know, you know, honestly, like putting the pressure on on Norwich the whole game. And, you know, and it always comes down to, you know, Ronaldo bailing us out, obviously, you know, getting that penalty in the box and, then you know, putting it home. But, you know, you know, terrible weather conditions, just, you know, not really a great game, like very, very sluggish. And even Rangnick said that in his press conference, you know, the, the guys played really sluggish and they knew it, um, you know, but a win's a win. And, and I think the big thing is they, they just got to up the intensity and got to understand that, you know, to survive in, in, in Ragnick's system, you have to be intense. You have to embrace that intensity, that high pressing, you know, that constant, you know, physicality aspect of it. You know, if you can do that, um, you know, I think sky's the limit for this team, but you know, we have, it comes to a point where you have to stop relying on Cristiano Ronaldo at 36 years old to constantly bail you out. I mean, in my opinion, he's the goat, but, you know, that's not going to win you, you know, UCL games. That's not going to, you know, obviously win you the Premier League. You know, I was hoping for obviously more contribution from other guys, but, you know, a win's a win. And I, I guess we'll take it. We'll move on and, and, you know, just keep going. That's all we can do. Uh, it's, it's not – you don't want to be barely winning against Norwich. Uh, I get that there's a new manager at the wheel. You know, Joe, I mean, we – we we have stressful lives being United fans, so but we 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 live to see another day. Uh, I think they're scraping the surface of the top four right now. I think we're one point behind West Ham, so um, that's a good sign. Uh, obviously, the league is probably gone, but I, I think yeah. it's a good sign that they're making their way back towards there. I think the big thing is also getting healthy. You know, we haven't really you know seen too much of Rafael Varane. Obviously, Pogba's out. Um, you know, so we're still waiting for those guys to get you know get back to fit and fitness and, and, you know, just get back on the pitch. But, you know, well, you, I, I you, wanna... think, you think Pogba is going to start in a, in uh, a ultra pressing system? I was, I was, like, probably, I was you know, I was, what? I was looking at you and I knew what I, I knew we were both thinking the same thing. Not just Pogba. You think fucking Ronaldo is going to be hitting in a high pressing system? Like, I, I think Ronaldo, Ronaldo would be open to doing it, even though we know he's a total diva, you know, Pogba, you know, 
I'm just going to go back to his agent's comments, you know, this whole week of, you know, oh, you know, all the, all the top clubs want my, my client, you know, you could tell he doesn't want to be there. You know, he's, he's had his time at United, you know, obviously it was his boyhood club and you know, he came back and, you know, he won a couple trophies, you know, and, and now he wants that next step. And I don't think he wants to really be here. You know, it is what it is, but, you know, do I think he can embrace the pressing? Probably not. That's not really his style, but, you know, I, he's a world-class player. I think if, if he comes onto you know, our squad, he can, he can help us because our, our midfield, you know, <laughs> the Mick Fred combo is just, it makes me laugh every single time. So. I, I think, I think that Pogba ends up at PSG and then PSG are, they're probably going to start clicking in three months or so. And then once they get, Pogba, it's going to be like a dream team. I mean, it already kind of is a dream team, except they're not playing like a dream team. But yeah, I mean, the clock. PSG also don't have a six. Pogba can't operate without a six, and PSG also do not have a six. Yeah, they definitely do need a six at some point. That's a good Uh, point. You just got a gay. Come on, show some love to my boy. (laughs) Okay, all right, fine. Fine. They have they have a juicy gun again. They have they have an Everton caliber. Dude, he is he's he's incredibly underrated. Everyone, no nobody appreciates him. I think he goes somewhere else, Pogba. I, I, I always thought Real Madrid. Personally, I, I think, you know, they, they want to find the there. best. And, and I think Pog was always mentioned Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Real Madrid. And obviously that was when Zidane was there. But obviously, you know, with Zidane out, I, I still think Real Madrid's a great spot for him. Yeah, that's an established team, established midfield. You know, obviously Modric is getting up in age. Why not go for Pogba? Why not go for Pogba and Mbappe? Bring the French connection in there. This is a very crowded midfield with Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, Asensio, Camavinga. I don't, I don't see him at Madrid. I, I also feel like he doesn't fit in players there. To that the, the only reason, well. the only reason I wouldn't see him at Madrid is because he'd be like a Galactico type signing, but. Like in, in terms of system, yeah. No. Well, that that's the thing though with Real Madrid. Do they only sign guys that fit in their system, or do they sign the big names? You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, when they signed David Beckham, like I'm pretty sure I watched the documentary. The, I don't know who the coach was at the time. If it was Del Bosque or something I think, else. I think it was Del Bosque. You know, he wasn't like a total fan of having David Beckham, and that's like insane because David Beckham obviously is world class, but like you know. Florentino Perez, he's the boss. And like, if he wants a big name because he knows that he can get the shirt sales and the ticket sales, he does not care what kind of system that player fits. And that player is going to fit in that system, whether they like it or not. I feel like we're moving away from that, like, model recently like i mean hazard was that was that was for sure that's probably hazard absolutely was that i don't think hazard like, fit real madrid they've like they've been going for like the venetius's and the rodrigo's and the reinars and like some of them are hitting some of them are missing but like they're i feel like they're hitting more like who's gonna be a superstar in three to four years and but like, think about it they haven't done they haven't had a galactic i you know hazard was supposed to be a galactico like and, and, you know, like we talk about, like, is Real Madrid really a UCL winner? And you're like, ah, oh, semifinal, they don't really have a guy besides Benzema, you know. It's going to come to a point where, you know, Florentino Perez has that new stadium. You know, he has to kind of get some wages up, you know. Why not go for Galacticos? Like, just completely break the system of youngsters that, you know, that Zidane was bringing in. So, I mean, I think that guy's next year will be Mbappe. I think he's just saving up to put Mbappe in that system. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mbappe, it's not a question of, you know, does Mbappe want Real Madrid? It's a question of when Mbappe is going to come to Real Madrid. It's, you know, he's he, Real Madrid's his team. I, I'm i excited for seeing Mbappe in a Real Madrid shirt. But anyway, um, let, me, let me go wrap up the Prem real quick. Uh, I got two quick points that I want to bring up. 
Uh, so Everton lost to Crystal Palace three to one. Uh, I know I've already burned Kieran pretty pretty bad recently, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on burning him on that one. But instead, let's talk about Connor Gallagher. Uh, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think he's got what five six goals now, three or four assists. And that one goal, that one goal he scored, the top Ben Curler was unbelievable. That that has to be the goal of the week. It's Everton, Everton fans having flashback to Demare Gray, but on the, on the wrong side of the pitch. Uh, it's hard to be pretty good signing. Uh, does anyone have thirty he's, million? He's, a, he's alone. He's alone. He's alone. So for who? Uh, Chelsea. He was, Chelsea. He was from Cobham. He's also from their academy. <laughs> I think Everton's a is a is a sizable club increase in loan. Right, just... What? Did anyone catch that? that? I no, said, I didn't catch him. I think Everton is a is like an increase in like size of club for like his next loan, maybe next year. He's not playing Chelsea next year. Oh, Connor Gallagher. No, no. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I, probably yeah, not. No, I, I, I agree. I think Everton's definitely a good step up for him. I think he obviously getting his feet wet with Crystal Palace is nice, um, you know, and obviously taking that next step with Everton's good. But you know, I, I'm just going back to that goal. Oh my he, god, he he reminds me a lot. Now, not actually, honestly, now that you said he's a Chelsea loney, he reminds me a lot of like Harry Wilson on fucking. Uh, that's that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Of uh, on uh, what's his on what where, where was he playing? Um, oh God. Swinging like Darby. No, no, no. He was, nah, he nah, it was another one. It was another one. They were probably gone now. But he, he was scoring like sick goals every day. Like, I remember seeing. Him I think he was. I think he may have been Sheffield. Sheffield United. But he was. He was scoring like like banger free kicks. I, um, I think he's on. He's on Fulham right now. Dude, why is Harry Wilson on Fulham? Oh no. I was, okay, I was. I was right. Early, I was right earlier. He was on. He was on Derby County, and then. Bournemouth. Bournemouth is the one that we're Bournemouth. Bournemouth is one I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He. he, he that, that's that's what I was thinking of when I when I thought about calling Connor Gallagher and you were, you were talking about him as or we were talking about him as an academy a Chelsea academy guy because like he's scoring bangers but like he's just like I, I, I doubt he's gonna get actually I don't know Connor Gallagher like Harry Wilson like why do you know Harry Wilson it's because he scores sick free kicks and like that's the only time you ever hear of, of Harry Wilson he destroyed Manchester United with some free kicks uh, like a couple years ago. Um, but Connor Gallagher, like you see, you see him play. And he's he's doing more than just just like one thing, you know. So I I think he could, he could sneak in uh, soon. I mean, he got an England call up too over the most recent international break, which I do think is well deserved. So he yeah, is you, one for the future. Like if you look at the if you look at the actual like like uh, I, I I'm not even trying to fix it on Chelsea here. Like if you look at like the actual like cal- caliber, like the actual pedigree of players that Chelsea has. Like they're like other than other than like Lukaku, um, uh, and like like Conte, like no one, no one's like anything like like godlike, nothing like crazy special, you know. Oh, I still don't see him playing over Pulisic, Ziyech. I'm looking at their wingers specifically. I I, I think Callum Hudson Odoi is a very underrated player who doesn't play enough. And I mean, who else is who? I mean, those. I don't are know, man. Tuchel can put whatever whoever he wants. Into the, the wing yeah, but like, I feel like yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> The Chelsea system, though, like Connor Gallagher's gonna be playing like wing back in that system. Like, I, I, I just don't see where he fits there. I, I don't think he breaks into that team, personally. Well, I mean, Chelsea's uh, kind of on the decline potentially. I mean, they do look shaky, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta need Hunter here for this conversation. Hunter would be livid if I Hunter, if you're listening to this, we love you, but I just had to. Wait, say Chris, that, can you just so. can you just state that you Hunter? Chelsea is on the decline. 
Yeah, so Hunter, based on the pa- the previous three games, I believe Chelsea's on the decline. Now, with that being said, Chelsea's height is very up there. So for Chelsea to be on the decline doesn't really mean too much because they, as you recall, won the Champions League. I don't know if you were aware of that, but I was. That's what Hunter sounds like tells himself like before he goes to bed every night. He's like, it's like Champions League winners. Uh, he's, he has to say third place now, but he used to be top of the table then even before he goes to sleep. Yeah, he he kneels at his bedside and he says, "Dear God, thank you for Chelsea winning the Champions League. Good night." And then that's it. That's what he tells himself. But anyway, let's uh, let's wrap up the prem here. Uh, I just got one little point that I want to bring up. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur probably haven't heard about them too much recently in terms of results, um, other than positive test results. Uh, they had eight players test positive for COVID. Um, this is a bit alarming. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was eight players, if it was like five players, three staff, but they did have a pretty sizable COVID outbreak. Um, that's obviously scary. Uh, I don't know the extent to which their players were vaccinated. Um, I'd like to think that they were vaccinated, but I, don't, I didn't see any information on that. Uh, I know Manchester United also uh, recently, as recent as today, had it looked like a smaller outbreak, but they had a little bit of a COVID outbreak as well. Uh, So with that being said, viewers, please get vaccinated and uh, go get your booster shot as well when you are eligible. Let's fight coronavirus. All right, let's uh, there's one more league I want to talk about today. Before I just just on the Tottenham thing, Um, Tottenham like might be kicked out of the Europa Conference League. (laughs) <laughs> because you're supposed to play all your games by December 31st, and they might not be able to because they still have to play that game against Ron or Ren. I'm not even convinced they'll win that game, too. To <laughs> also, that, but they might, they might just be out of the Europa Conference League, well, which was like, like Tottenham fans. Well, no, it was like it was literally Spurs fans like glimmering, like one single glimmering hope. But like, like of the season, like my friend who's a Spurs fan, it's like, it's like you know what, whatever. I'm happy we got Conference League because at least we'll win a trophy. Um, but I guess that that, that cabinet I, remains bare. I don't even know one. I don't know if they're 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 second in their group, like and could very very easily not make it if they lose. So I don't know. Like even without COVID outbreak, they could still not qualify. I mean Tottenham, they they don't do the whole trophy thing well. All right, on to Syria. Uh, this is a fun one. I, I like when we talk about Serie A every week. It gets me excited. And uh, one of the reasons for that is first, second, third, and fourth place are separated by a point each. So in total, first place to fourth place, there's a four-point gap. In first place, we got Kieran's boys, Inter. Second place, we got Milan. That's, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Third place, we got Atalanta. And then fourth Napoli. Let's just do quick fire, rapid round. Who do you think is going to win Serie A and why? Uh, I'll start off. I'll say Milan. And the reason being they have Teo Hernandez and also um, they're out of European competition. So that might help free up some games. So we'll go Kieran, Pranav, and then Jeb. I mean, I've been saying this since the beginning, and I will now like to uh, get some credit here because I said Inter at the beginning. I kept saying Inter when everyone was talking about how they were seven points back, and now they're top of the league. So they will—they have the best squad, the most squad depth. Their coach is pretty good. 
Uh, and I think they're going to continue to, I don't think they're going to just, I don't, they, they started slow. I think they're ramping up for, it, and I think they're going to get even better as the year goes on inside of Serie A. Uh, I'm going to say Milan for the same reasons Chris has said, and because I like Milan, Inter still has the European stuff to deal with, and uh, it, it's going to prove challenging for them to kind of keep up both competitions, and I don't really think that they're, especially because they won Serie A last year, I don't think that they're going to just kind of like throw Champions League in the fire to, to focus on Serie A. I'm, I'm going to go with Kieran here. I'm going to go with Inter. I, I just think Inter obviously has uh, the squad depth, has the, the star talent, you know, Jacko, Lataro. You know, you're seeing a really great version of, of Nicola Barella right now. I'm pretty sure he leads all of Serie A on assists. You know, he's he's been impressive. And, you know, obviously that that defensive unit and obviously um, you know, Samir Hadanovic, he's, he's a Serie A veteran. I, I just can't see them, you know, blowing it. I think that they're really playing really well. I mean, they've won their last five games, so. Um, you know, I, I think sky's the limit for Inter, and you know, and, and yeah, even though they have you know UCL to worry about, you know, the squad depth is going is going to keep them in it. They got the talent to do it. And I think Lautaro Martinez is going to catch fire at the end. You know, I, I think uh, I think Inter's my pick. Notice how none of us said Juventus, but speaking of them, Juventus won their Champions League group, and uh, just to rub salt in Hunter's wounds because he's not here to defend himself. Uh, Chelsea actually didn't win their Champions League group. That's just like a little fun fact for our listeners. Um, they finished second to a Juventus team that's been struggling all season, and they even struggled last season. So um, if you're looking for some reference points to back up my previous claim, which is that Chelsea is in decline, there's one of them for you. So Also, oh. they're the only Premier League team to not have finished top of their group. Did anyone see the Kuzia yeah, goal that, like, that's tied it up? At three three and like the end of the game for versus Zenit, I thought it was a pretty sick goal. No, I wasn't gonna watch a Chelsea game. <laughs> it was a good goal. The that game was. I will say this now that Hunter's not here to defend Chelsea. I did watch that game and it was an exciting game, and Chelsea contributed to the exciting game factor of it. And Timo Werner scored a very good goal, looking like fucking prime Ronaldo Lima with the way he chopped around in that box. <laughs> Also, I also, I guess, in, in, in defensive contracts, I, I feel bad that we've been ripping on in the whole time. The Mason Mountain goal um, during the, the Premier League game was also very nice, and, and it, was a, it was a very exciting goal. So he's Mason Mountain is the only one scoring exciting goals for, for Chelsea. I mean, Chris, are we going to talk about the, the Champions League draw at all, or are we, are we leaving that? Because I wanted to shit on Milan for a sec. Yeah, go I mean, ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, like, I watched them play Udinese. And they looked not good. I don't remember like the stat. Like I, I the stats for the match were like like Udinese were. I think they had more possession and more shots. The only reason Milan tied it is because Ibra did a scissor kick in like the 90th minute and scored a. It was a pretty sick goal. If you guys haven't seen the goal yet, it it was pretty filthy. Uh, he's 40 or he's 41 now. Or is he 40 or 40? I don't know. He's just really. I think old. it's 40. And he's still like scoring fucking scissor kicks in like in like for for match tying goals, and it's just. Uh, but like he's saving them in that sense, uh, and they don't look that they don't look that convincing. I think Milan will be on the decline now, actually, in the next couple of games. And Napoli, uh, just to throw some more stuff for Serie A out there, like Napoli has a lot of injuries these days, um, so that team is going to start falling off. They've had two straight losses, and it's not. I mean, I I don't as much as I love Kaladu Koulibaly, like I don't know if they're gonna, I don't know if they're gonna maintain form. 
I'm, I'm going to throw something out there and I, I don't know what you guys takes are, but you know, we're talking about, we've been talking about like the January window. Um, and I think this is a, a name that's definitely going to come up. Uh, our superstar on Fiorentina, was it uh, Duzan Flavic? Yeah. The go. 15 goals, 17 games or no. Yeah. 15 goals in 17 games. Do you think he's a, he's a January guy? Do you think he goes off somewhere? I think he stays at Fiorentina. I want him to stay at Fiorentina. Like I definitely don't want him to leave because I think him going to like a Tottenham or an Arsenal would definitely hinder his development like a lot. So, uh, but he is, I, my thing was like, I had a big, like, I was scared he was going to be Christoph Piontek to a 2.0 and he has proved to be quite good this year. So my, I, my thing with the January transfer is that like, usually with January transfers, you hear these like rumors developing really early on, um, <clears throat> especially for like wonder kids like this. So I, I doubt that it's going to be January transfer just for that reason. Um, Otherwise, I totally expect uh, some other team to to poach him um, later on. Like if if Holland wasn't on the the market for the summer, I think it would be like a good. I mean, I, I, to be fair, I don't know the Vlavic play style, and I don't know how that would fit into City. But like, I would totally expect like City to go for them. I could um, actually if not... Holland was on, wasn't on the market. I was thinking I, I, Dortmund. Yeah, I was going to say, say he's he's the Holland replacement. He's he's definitely he's exactly. He's very similar play style. I I mean, he also has fucking phenomenal stats for his age i mean it it's likely that holland's gonna go over the summer and i i think it just makes so much sense for dortmund to snag him so that that's where i would go uh, but I, you go to tottenham or arsenal and it's like that's just you're just destroying your career like yeah, you said everton everton, everton. why <laughs> You're right. You're right. That, that definitely would not be destroying his career if he went fucking Everton. What <laughs> a good striker! All right. <laughs> you do have good strikers. You just actually, I mean, is where's Calvert? What's, what's he doing nowadays? He's, he's hurt. And Simon Rondon did score today, but he's still terrible. <laughs> uh, nah, Vlavic Dortmund is a very. I think that's a very good. That's a very good step up. I could also see him going to like maybe like like Juventus would maybe be a good shot because Morata's you know Morata. I could see that. As yeah. Well. I think speaking of Juventus, and this is just kind of my take on the Serie A, I think like, you know, how the mighty have fallen. I, I really think Juventus is going to come to a point where obviously next two years they're going to have to blow it up. Now you're talking about, you know, that the back wall of Benucci and Chiellini, that's gone. Um, I think Chesney's going to be gone soon. I, obviously, Quadrado's gone. You know, you're going to have to. The problem is, who's the problem there? <sighs> Losing Ronaldo is the problem. Losing Ronaldo is a problem, but I just think that that team is just too old. You know, I think you got to get some more youth in there. I think getting Locatelli was was a good signing, but you know, you look at Dybala, you feel so bad for that guy. That guy has been working double time to try to at least keep Juventus somewhat, you know, relevant. Um, but it's. I think they just got. They really got to blow it up, and that's a tough thing because Juventus has been, you know, a dominant figure not only obviously in Serie A but in you know in the European stage. So I mean, they, they have young guys like they have they have Delict who um, was they have Chiesa state. as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Chiesa, Pellegrini, um, Locatelli, Dybala. Well, the scary thing though with Delict is uh, Raiola's like dangling him like oh you know. Delict almost signed with Bayern, you know, like if the right offer comes along, like, and that's, uh, you know, that's the, what comes with obviously having rail as your agent, but you know, I don't, I don't think the lick's going to be there too much longer. Yeah, as much as Juventus doesn't want to hear that because, you know, they signed him to be He's, obviously the future. He is the future. Uh, I mean, without Benucci and Barzagli, he's the only defender there. Like, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Benucci Chiellini. Right. Sorry, Rugani's still there. 
<laughs> I forgot yeah, I mean, he was like, like Go. I was just saying, yeah, like the the vets there, like you know, Chiellini, Panucci, like Alexandro, Quadrado. The guys were like, and you think of Juventus, you think of those guys, like I, they're gonna be gone. Chesney too, like you can't sell Chiellini though. Like you can maybe get rid of Benucci, but she can't get well, rid of I, I'm telling you, I think the club's gonna try to push Benu- uh Chiellini out of there. You know, like hey, like you should just retire. Like how old is he? What thirty six? He's pretty old. Yeah, uh, fifty eight. <laughs> He's like I mean, 60 for about the And he, he had that really years. brutal injury. I don't know, it was last yeah. year, two years ago. You know, I'm telling you, they got to rebuild. You know, I think they, their they midfield have, is. No, nah, I was going to say that I think their midfield is just not good. It's a pretty bad midfield. Well, they're, um, they're, they're only strikers. I mean, they have, they have Murata and Moise Keane. Um, Moise, Moise Keane is like. F- Moise Keane was comparatively good at Everton. Like, uh, he wasn't. He was. He was pretty bad at Everton. Oh, that's true. He was. He was good at Juventus. In his first he spell. was good at Juventus, and he yeah. was pretty decent at PSG last year. Like he had. He had good stats there. Like fourteen goals or something like that. I think Icardi would be a good signing over there. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good one. Uh, I think you got to go with the defense. You know, I think they have getting Chiesa was huge. I think they needed Chiesa yeah. and getting Locatelli was good. I think you need to build that back line. You you know, because that that's always been you know the identity of Juventus is you know play through the back line, play through that just absolute brick wall defense when you know they had you know Benucci. They have a lot of, like, a lot of dead wood in that home. spot though. Like they got Rugani Quadrado's like floating around there as well. Bernadeschi, I don't know if anyone remembers him. You think he's still around over there? They got like I don't know just like a Do you lot think- of like do you think um, – I mean, like, they have a lot of other reasons to be pissing their parents, but do you think, like, like people in charge of United are kind of pissing their parents now because they see, like, how how bad Juventus is without Ronaldo? Um, and now, like – like I, I'd say I'd say that United are definitely relying on Ronaldo more than Juventus did even. Um, so, like, like, you think they're freaking the fuck out now? Like, like yeah. every time Juventus, like, go down the shitter, do you think they're just, like, freaking out? Probably. <laughs> I'd, I, I, before any United fans respond to that, I would say that they have more than enough young talent there to like maybe make up for it. Hopefully, hopefully, like Rashford isn't Rashford isn't Kia isn't like uh, is he's Rashford and Greenwood and Jane Sancho are all much superior to Kiesa, even though I like Kiesa a lot. Kiesa, Bernadeschi, and like uh, I don't know, Murata, like I mean, Green Greenwood's gonna be like the striker of the Prem in like three years or so. Uh, I think he's going to transition into that type of role, but I don't know. I let, let's not, let's not think about Ronaldo leaving because that that's a sad thought. So I don't want to, I don't want to have that thought. So bring up one point that really doesn't matter at all. And I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but I guess someone mentioned it earlier. So I probably should, but Dortmund tied over the weekend. So they're not going to win the Bundesliga. I know this is incredibly shocking news to most people, but Dortmund is not going to win the Bundesliga. So just, you know, remember that because unfortunately it's a fact. Um, Okay. So I'm going to go talk about some of the predictions for next week as we wrap things up here. So we got a couple decent games on the horizon. First one I want to talk about, and we'll do, we'll do quick fire here. I'll go and then Pranav, Kieran, and then Joe. Chelsea Everton. I'm gonna say one nothing Chelsea. I really hope Everton <laughs> batters Chelsea. Um, but like we live on Earth, uh, so I think it's gonna be like Chelsea three 0 Everton. 
I think it's going to be these are two very boring teams. Uh, so this is going to be a nice zero zero draw. Uh, Chelsea doesn't know how to fucking attack, and Everton also doesn't know how to fucking attack. So Everton will be batting down the hatches, and then Chelsea Chelsea doesn't know how to score goals. Like what is this? Games at uh, Goodison Park, or is it at Stamford? I actually don't know. Stamford Bridge. It's at Stamford Bridge. Uh, give me Chelsea three nothing. Yeah, that's that's probably reasonable. I might change my uh, uh, vote, but anyway, we'll we'll move on. Uh, Arsenal West Ham. I that this has a this could be a very good game. Um, I'm gonna say two one West Ham. I think this is like a super spicy matchup. I think I think I'm gonna take West Ham by the same margin that that it was uh, that they took Liverpool and Chelsea. I'm gonna take three two West Ham. I'm gonna go. Ooh, I'm gonna go Chris. I'm gonna go two one West Ham also. Like. I think they'll. I think they'll win it. I'm gonna go one nothing Arsenal, and I I can tell you I think the big reason why I think this week you're gonna see Aubameyang lose that captaincy, and I think you're gonna see a total turnaround in this team. One nothing. That's not a hot take. I I could see that, Joe. Yeah. Sevilla Atletico. I know we haven't really talked about La Liga today too much. I guess we talked about Real Madrid a little bit and Barcelona, but we haven't talked about La Liga specifically. Uh, Sevilla Atletico. Um, I'm gonna go Sevilla two one. Wait, wait, we had the we had the Madrid derby this week. Dude, I yeah, you know. Uh, so basically, what happened, guys, is Real Madrid won two nothing, and they're gonna win La Liga. If anyone wants to add their opinions or anything on that, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I think I think the most important part of this is that while Karen Karen is talking about his his inter prediction, um, his La Liga prediction was Atletico Madrid, yeah. who are now 13 points off Real Madrid. With a game uh, in hand. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. My bad. Oh, so they'll be 10 points <laughs> at, if they at win. best, 10 points off Real Madrid. All right. Uh, who uh, are yeah, flying. Just... Um, Vinicius had two assists today. Uh, as if we needed reminding of, like, like how good he is and how, how well he's doing. Asensio, I feel like I haven't heard of Asensio in a, in a long time. Asensio's um, playing, Asensio's playing well. He's, he's, he's got, he's got some. He's been playing real well. You know, yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like Carlos he, he burst on the scene, scored like four like ridiculous long shot goals, then did got it, like a pimple on his leg, and disappeared, and then did he anyone came see back the goal he scored against Inter? Has anyone has anyone seen that goal? It's a banger. If you haven't seen the goal he scored against Inter, it's like like class. I I was watching the game right, and it's classic Asensio, like when he burst on the scene, like like maybe like a couple like out outside the eighteen left foot strike top corner hits it hits the it hits the post it's all, it's it's a recent goal did you see the recent goal benzema's first goal uh again so like the, yeah the, the volley yeah. yeah it was it was really good one like, class dude i really i get like I, I think i said this last time like he's never won golden boot in like the i think it's called pachichi or something like that like he's never won it i really i'm very much rooting for him to win it Sevilla atletico um yeah what do you get I think I think Sevilla could take. I think Sevilla's second. I think is fourth. I just want to. I think Atletico just deserves to lose all the games because they play they play more boring football than Chelsea. They play like actual boring football. Um, like like Chelsea just like like happens to be boring because like like the way they they organize their position the same way the same way like like Man City even though it's like beautiful it can be boring sometimes because of like how good they are. Um, Atletico plays like actual like like dark arts, um, boring football. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say. Uh, 2-0, Sevilla. Uh, I will also go with – I mean, obviously, Atletico was my early season pick. They have not lived up to form, and I'm willing to 
they're not going to win the league, obviously. I think they'll still qualify for Champions League, but I'm going to go 1-0 Sevilla. Atletico is going to bat down the hatches because that's what they do every game. Going nil-nil draw. I think, you know, Atletico coming off, obviously, the 2-0 loss against Real Madrid. You know, I... I think they're going to hit a bad run of form and, and, you know, but I think, you know, like Kieran said, like their, their play style, they're, they're going to batten down the hatches. They're not going to let Sevilla score. And, and honestly, I don't think they're going to be able to create enough chances to score for themselves. I, I go nil, nil draw. Also, this might be a topic for, for like the future, for future podcasts. This one's kind of getting kind of long, but um, like we need to talk about how Atletico signed like Joe Felix and they have their, they have Griezmann now and like they still play boring as fuck football. Like those are those are two pretty sensational players. And yeah, <laughs> I was looking at the lineup, and I mean Suarez has obviously injured himself in midweek, uh, and he's on the bench. But Mateus Cunha started over Joe Felix, uh, and I thought that was an interesting interesting choice. I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, because he can back into people. <laughs> I think Joe Felix is going to leave. I I think that's probably best for his. Career. They can't. They need to make a profit on him. He's too young. They bought him for too much money. They can't just sell him. He's got to go, man. I don't know who he's going to. Like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. All right, uh, Milan versus Napoli. That should be a good one. Uh, I'm gonna say Milan three to two, and uh, mainly because Napoli's injured, and I like Milan. So Pranav's probably gonna say the same thing. But go ahead. No, I, I honestly like like in terms of actual belief, I have very little belief in Milan. It's it's more just like like every time they win, it's like a little bit heartwarming. It's like it's like ooh, like that that's cool, um, and it's exciting because uh, I've always loved Milan. Um, I think I think I actually supported Milan before I supported Liverpool, like at all, like way back when. Um, so, I mean, that being said, like I think it's gonna be like like two one Napoli. Like I don't see it as a super high scoring game. Uh, it's a tough one because uh, I am of the mindset that both teams are about to hit a rough patch. Um, out because out of those four, I think these are the two teams that are going to drop off the most. I will. Napoli is more hurt, and Milan still has has you know, Ibra's still there, and he still has is, the ability to score. Is Koulibaly injured? Uh yeah. Uh he is injured, and also, um, it's not just him. Like they have a lot of like, like, um, uh, Insigne is out. I think also, um, Mertens is a, Mertens is pretty much leading the line right now on his own. They have but, discount Pulisic and Chucky Lozano. <laughs> he's, he's also doing. I think it's just it, it's him and Mertens, and then uh, Zielinski's pulling the strings right now. And I think it's just those three because everybody else is pretty much hurt. I don't know what happened. Like they just randomly won one. I watched them play Atalanta, which is a great game, and they were just randomly not good because uh, all all those injuries. So I'm going to go one zero Milan. I'm going to take the one zero Milan as well. I mean, I just think obviously injury ravaged Napoli. You know, against the Milan team that's been playing pretty well, I don't think they have a chance. Is an injury ravaged Napoli team like not as good as a like a teenage Liverpool? <laughs> because like they, they did kick the shit out of Milan. <laughs> yeah. To to be fair, you did play some big players. I mean, Salah and Mane were starting Pranov. Also, like I feel like the Liverpool teenagers are like they're just randomly good for some reason. I don't know why. 
Like every time I just know that the only reason I know that is because they always play Everton in the FA cup every year, like the fucking fourth round and we lose to Liverpool teenagers and it's just not. All right. um, That concludes everything that I have on my end. Does anyone have any final thoughts, points that they want to bring into this discussion? Yeah, I'll throw one thing out there. And I wanted to say this during the the Chelsea leads uh, discussion. My man on Leeds, Rafinha, that man should be in a big club next year. Dude, he's really I, I, I think he, he is, is so super good. talented. And you know, and we saw a goal. I think it was the penalty. He had a beautiful assist for the, their second goal. That guy does not belong in Leeds. He's gonna he's gonna go to a big club next year. Teams already taking notice. He's gonna be a future talent. He's really yeah, good. He, he, was, go he was supposed to go. He was supposed to go to Liverpool last year, but we can't pay any money for any players apparently. So now there there's there's uh, rumors linking him this year, and they're like I, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I um, think I I can see that. I can see a Liverpool Rafinha like signing. Yeah, I, I, he'd be huge. I'm trying to think though, like, because like Liverpool, the whole thing is you don't want to displace Mane, Firmino, and Salah. I mean, and Jota has been doing that for Firmino. Where who are you displacing for Rafinha? Yeah, I want to go. I don't want to go there and not play. I don't think he's gonna go there and not play. Like, I think it's gonna be like because like Salah, like like Salah. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna decline maybe like like three years or something. Like like I see it like next season he's not gonna be necessarily as good as this season because like I still think very few players in history are as good as this season. But I think like. In like two years, like I, I think that Salah's gonna kind of like. How know, old is Rafinha? Does anyone know his age? Rafinha, twenty three or twenty four. I'm I'm gonna sure. throw a destination out there, Juventus. That is... they listen. They do like the Brazilian wingers, Douglas Costa. Do. Right. I just have a hard time. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe not. I, you want to talk? You want to talk about bringing in an explosive Wait, young what, talent? What other Brazilian winger played for you? I wouldn't say Brazilian winger, actually Brazilian players, right? You obviously have Alexandro, you had Costa. So like no, you know, Douglas Costa is a Brazilian winger. No, yes. no, I said I said uh, he named Douglas Costa and I asked what other. Oh. Um I was gonna I th- I think I'm sorry, I think there's reeks of Atletico, like like in a in a very stinky way. Like they are gonna sign him for like because like he, he kind of reminds me of like they're like Yannick Ferrer Carrasco and those types of wingers. And he's just gonna go there, and there's no goal output's gonna be like his goal output's gonna fucking have, and he's not gonna leave. Like like Tom Lamar, he, he gives me those vibes. I could see him at Barca, but they can't afford him. Uh, also, if Liverpool buy Rafinha, I mean, the price tag I think from what I was reading is sixty-five to seventy million, and that's like twice Liverpool's budget. So I don't see that so happening. Michael Edwards is leaving at the end of the season, so he owes us a little party gift. And I just really hope it's someone's sick. Because okay, like it, Liverpool is a team built for now. Like yeah, they're academy players coming into the midfield, but in terms of their their like like front three, like like everyone's twenty-nine or thirty-ish. So um, like we need to win stuff now. Um, That's my point so there. That like you don't want to like for the future. Like there, that ca- you know that that front three works and it works phenomenally well. It's probably like the most gelled front three in like the, in the world right now, probably in my opinion. And I would not want to fuck with that. I think Jota's okay. Like I think he's good to like spell one of them because he can basically play in all three of their positions. But I don't know if I'd want another person in there to kind of screw with the chemistry. Otherwise, I, I don't know. He, this also kind of reeks in Man City. Because they could also definitely afford that, and like yeah. I'm just I'm just not trying to go to like 
2023 to just fall off a cliff in terms of relevance. Um, so we need we need some future signings. The, the yeah, only problem like, is that Rafinha is like like he's gonna want playing time. He's twenty exactly. He's twenty. Yeah. He's not. He's like not. He's, he's not nineteen. Like he's twenty three. Yeah. Like he's gonna want to play. I feel like Liverpool could loan him for a year and then buy him. It's a possibility. Yeah, that's true. Like it's the same. It's the same reason. Like like I, I mean, I have more of a personal connection to him, but I, I didn't necessarily want like Pulisic to come to Liverpool because like I like it would have been sick. Uh, like a USA player at Liverpool, but like. Like, I, I didn't want him. I wanted his development to, to, to grow better. And with Thomas Tuchel, it's not getting better. So uh, It's a tough scenario because you have a player of his caliber. I, I don't, guys like that don't want to get go to a team just to get loaned out. Like, they want to go to a team and, like, be a star on that team. You know, like, you got to look at, like, a team that, like, really needs his services but can also compete, too. You know, uh, you know like, Barcelona was when we mentioned. Obviously, they can't afford him. Juventus. Juventus is, like, not – it's a good I, – I think that's – decent mate what about inter i can also see that like i could also maybe see milan oh I, napoli is also good i all the Serie A teams actually work i think he's a Serie A guy personally i think he's someone that could step into Serie A and you know just dominate right away um yeah a wing back for chelsea <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I, wait, wait, oh, God. That, I also wanted to throw out there that i was watching bundesliga i was watching leverkusen on track frankfurt and it was a sick game it was two five and those are two relatively decent teams, but I wanted to throw some love on Patrick Schick, even though they lost, like, he's 14 goals right now in, I think, 15, 14 and 15 games, something like that. And he's he's playing really well. And he's finally, because we've been talking about him for a while, and ever since he went to Roma a couple of years ago, and now he's finally coming good. So Yeah, you. my response to that, he's going to Bayern Munich. He's going to Bayern Munich. Like, it, it, it's not, written I on the like walls. Play there, though. I feel like he'll stay on Leverkusen and be like a talisman for like the next couple of years. But he's think about it. What's his future? He's Bayern. He's Bayern Munich all the way. For me, personally, I think that's that's where he's going. Yeah, Bundesliga is a farmers league, and not that it's not like a good league, um, but more that like Bayern literally used the, the best league to farm their team. Yeah, it's it's literally like every team is a feeder club for Bayern Munich. Like it was kind of crazy when Kai Havertz picked. Chelsea over, you know, going to Bayern or, or, or like a German club like that. So, like, I think Schick's – he's a future Bayern star. But, yeah, he's he's an incredible young talent, probably one of the best young midfielders in the in the world right now, um, you know, that I, I'm sure pretty sure any team would really want to have. But, you know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I had one more thing, but never mind. Anybody else got something they want to add? All right, that concludes this week's episode. Have an enjoyable week. And uh, I guess if you're listening to this, you probably already know who the Champions League knockout stage teams are. So um, email us your thoughts on that, and we'll talk about that next week. But really have a good week. I really what? Messi Ronaldo. That would be cool. I, uh, I, with I United just realized Clark, I remember We're going to draw a PSG. What? I wanted to we say, <laughs> uh, sorry, one last Bundesliga thing that I did. I just, Jesse Marsh got fired recently uh, last week. And I did want to, he is the only, I mean, an American coach at RB Leipzig is a relatively big deal. And I was just very sad to see him go. So as an RB Leipzig connection, Ralph Ragnick. <laughs> we got, we got Chris Armis now. So he's 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 representing our USA. So maybe maybe we should. No, I'm not gonna root for Manchester United, but um, there there is there is some American in Europe. All right.
<laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, have a good week and take care.